0: I was hovering around 10, 10 k at that point and then all of a sudden it was like 20k 25k each month and that's when I was like what the f <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome to the FI show where you get a behind the scenes look into financial independence Here's your host Cody and Justin Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Fi Show. But first, let's check in with Cody. How's it going, man?
2: Things are going awesome, man. I am recovering from a FinCon hangover because I just had so much fun there. made so many awesome connections. We actually shared a room with Emily and James from Rethink the Rat Race. So Justin and I were bunk buddies, and it was a lot of fun. (laughs) But Justin,
1: how about you? What's up with you, man? Same, same. Just trying to get over that that crazy week. I mean, it was an awesome week. Getting to meet a lot of people in person for the first time but we literally couldn't record this yesterday because I couldn't talk. That's the kind of toll that it puts on your body. But you know, at this conference are tons of people who are making a lot of money online. And speaking of someone who's making a ton of money online, today we get to bring on Alex who never envisioned making money online, but stumbled into making over $300,000 on Fiverr. But I don't want to give away her whole story. Take it away, Alex. Alex.
0: I would say the first time that I really kind of started to panic about money was after i had already had my first job. Because the first job I had, I lived at home, so nothing was that dire. I moved down to New York City for another job. That was kind of when I, you know, left home and that type of thing. After four weeks, I quit that job, not intentionally. And um, <laughs> New York City is not a cheap city. So after about like three hours realizing what I had just done and the financial implications of it, that's when I kind of started to get myself into gear a little bit (laughs) because I did not want to be that person that had to move back home. You know, the failure that (laughs) left Albany and tried to make it in New York City and lasted four weeks and came back home. There's nothing more embarrassing than that. So that was, yeah, that day I quit my job was when I realized that things were about to get interesting in the money department.
1: So I have to ask, how did you accidentally quit your job?
0: (laughs) It's always so hard for me to tell this story because I don't want to say anything too terrible about this. (laughs) Where I worked, I never name drop it, so I don't think anyone would ever know. But I took a job that was not the job I thought it was. And um, you can probably half blame that on me being naive and half blame that on they did not advertise correctly to me what they were hiring me for. So I'm a very creative person. I've come to understand this about myself. And they basically had me organizing Excel spreadsheets, which is just not how my brain works. And it was making me go crazy. So after four weeks, I didn't really have a game plan at all. I just knew I couldn't keep working there. I just kind of sent out an email Sunday night and I was I couldn't believe it. Like the next day, I, I left all my stuff there. I was, I was like, I can't go in here anymore. That was when the rest of my life started that day. It didn't feel like it. You know, I felt like I was making a mistake probably by quitting the job that day. But it's actually one of the best things I ever did. So.
2: All right. So before we move on to the rest of your life's journey, as you just called it, can we take a step back and talk about the way you were raised? Were your parents savers? Did they teach you about entrepreneurship? What did you go to school for? I kind of just want to build a little bit of a backbone before we get into the rest of your story.
0: Sure, actually, that's fun. No one really asked me that before. Yeah, so I grew up in a very entrepreneurial household. My mom has been a lifelong entrepreneur. She's had her first company was hand painted clothing, she did with my father. He was an entrepreneur, he made board games, he was a graphic artist, like all those things. So I definitely grew up around an entrepreneurial mentality. What was kind of funny is I never considered myself one, though. I, I've i always loved politics ever since I was little, and that's all I'm going to – I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to tell you what I think about anything because <laughs> I'm not going to go into it. But I kind of always I, – I went to school for political science. I thought I was going to go be a lawyer or a chief of staff or – I had this plan for myself that is not the plan anymore. So, and and I liked my major. I still like reading about it. It, it ended up being a good major for me because it helped train me in writing, which is what I sell now. And I didn't even really consider myself a writer. You know, I was like, okay, I don't mind writing. I, these like research papers don't bother me like they bother other people. But I didn't really see myself as this like burning entrepreneurial writer, like needs to be let out of her cage type of thing. I, I was pretty content with where I was going with it. But I definitely, I mean, I, I grew up around entrepreneurs for sure. My grandparents, too, like my grandfather, took over my grandma's business. They were one of the first people to sell radios and TVs in the state. So it goes back. It goes deep in my blood, which I don't know if you if that's a genetic thing or not. <laughs> but it's kind of funny because it turns out I couldn't escape it all along, you know. And I'm glad that I couldn't escape it because now it's definitely like my identity. I, I feel like correct in what I'm doing. But yeah, I grew up around that mentality, so it, I, I don't ever feel weird being an entrepreneur. But I've, I do have friends who are entrepreneurs and their parents are, and I know it's hard for them because they kind of cast judgment on it a little bit. So I, I'm very grateful for that background I have, yeah.
1: So I think that kind of covers you know how you can feel comfortable being in an entrepreneurial type role because of, because of your family. But what about another thing kind of Cody asked about, which is that, you know, were they savers? Did they talk about financing the money side of the house?
0: Okay, sorry, I forgot that side of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so guess I would say my mom is fiscally responsible human being. I did grow up learning to save money. We were not a let's max out credit card household. If anything, it was a don't use a credit card if you don't even need to type of household. Like, why take out payments if there's no need to take out the payments? So I grew up, yeah, very black and white with money, but not irresponsible by any means. And it's actually kind of funny now that I am doing well for myself as of right now. I kind of have surpassed my family's advice on what to do with it. And it's kind of new territory, new waters for me. So I'm I'm kind of shopping around financial advisors right now because I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I did not grow up in like an investment household. That's how I'll put it. I grew up in a just save your money. Don't be stupid with it, but not a crazy investment, bonds, stocks. I don't even know, honestly, what half of it means, which is hilarious. But <laughs> yeah, that was that was the money situation growing up.
2: Okay, so you at least knew that you shouldn't max out credit cards. You knew that you probably should be saving some money. So let's fast forward again to this point of the story we were in before we kind of uncovered some of that backstory where you quit your job, you are four weeks into that job, and now you have no job at all. You have no income. You're living in New York City. You obviously know that this is not a good financial position to be in. What do you do next?
0: So for the previous year before I quit my job, I had been on a site called Fiverr, which is pretty well known now. And I was just doing a side gig type of thing. I guess this should have hinted that I've been entrepreneurial all along. But while I was at my other job, I had this side gig where I would edit things for people online through Fiverr, and I would I would earn no money. I mean, like forty dollars a month. But I thought it was great. I, I thought it was cool because I had an income, I had a salary plus this like little silly thing I was doing. So that day after I quit my job, or it was December day. It was like lightly snowing in New York. I'll never forget it. And I kind of was just freaking out a little bit. I mean, a lot of it. And I just kind of walked around and I went to art galleries. I went to three different museums. We're like an artsy family. I like to paint. I like to draw and everything. So that was just my comfort zone. And I think I was just trying to like get the creative juices flowing. Like, what what, what now? Like, what do I do right now? So I went home that night. I sat at the edge of my bed and I was just kind of sitting there like looking at my laptop. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I just, I guess I like had an aha moment where I was like, all right, I have this Fiverr thing. It's made me like a little bit of money. I know how to write press releases now. I know how to write articles because I just did that on my previous job. So maybe I'll sell that. That was just, it was a logical next thought that I had. So that night I opened up some gigs on Fiverr and... I also started social media managing for some people like I, I, you know, like I hit the ground as the best I could. I started texting people I knew who needed social media help. So I was doing that a little bit. That wasn't like amazing money or anything. But really, after just a couple months on Fiverr, there was traction started, which, you know, it's funny. It like just kind of all happened. At that point, like, I can't even I don't even remember what's happened in the last four years at this point. It's (laughs) like it just it started. It came to life and it's been alive ever since. (laughs) And um, I remember like the first day I made over a one hundred dollars on it and I was so happy. I was I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to make my rent from this weird site somewhere in Israel. Like, I'm going to I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. So I opened up a few more gigs and I definitely discovered a passion of mine I didn't know that I had. And I became like mildly obsessed with business and freelancing ever since then. And I'm definitely like full blown obsessed now. And um, <laughs> I just I kind of had no idea like it was dormant in me until it, it wasn't.
1: <laughs> so it seems like one thing that sometimes holds people back with this kind of thing is them undervaluing themselves. So I'm curious, like as you progress down this, like how you navigated upping your prices to get to a point to where it was more than just a side hustle, more than just paying the rent and how you kind of convinced yourself, you know what, like I am worth more than the the $40 gig.
0: Yeah, I know. It's funny you say that because I definitely have struggled with that the last four years and I definitely struggled with it in the beginning. And my mom tried to tell me to increase my prices and I wouldn't listen to her. And after two years of charging very little for what I was providing for people, I finally raised my prices, like my $15 thing, I raised to 25. And I like doubled my income that day. And I was like, wow, I should have been listening to everyone all along. But I had that feel, I had that same feeling of I'm not worth, you know, imposter syndrome where like, am I worth what these people are paying me? Do I know what I'm doing? I kind of just self-invented myself. Am I qualified for this? Like, people go to school for journalism. I didn't. Like, what do I think I'm doing? Who do I think I am? And I definitely felt that in the back of my head the first two years, and it prevented me from raising my prices, which was silly, because when the day finally came, I was like, here goes nothing. My income doubled and I wanted to hit myself over the head that for two years, I definitely could have been making more money than I was making. But I also feel like that was a a good lesson for me because ever since then, I've felt way more confident in changing my prices as needed. It just kind of took that first push. I was stubborn about it. But then when I finally took it, I realized like everyone lived and, you know, it definitely was a good like learning moment for me. But imposter syndrome is a real thing.
2: So we've been tossing around some jargon that people who aren't familiar with Fiverr or freelancing might not know like a gig and just talking about like what you charge for prices. Could you just give a quick overview on like what exactly Fiverr is, what type of services it provides and like what the experience is like?
0: Sure. Okay, so Fiverr is a digital marketing freelance marketplace essentially where anyone can come on there and buy any type of digital marketing service from someone. That can include everything from logos, website design, SEO to writing, social media management. Pretty much any service that can be provided online is sold on Fiverr. When you have a specific service you sell on Fiverr, the lingo is you call it a gig. So I have 11 open gigs right now, and some of them are I will write you a blog, I will write you a press release, I will write your website content, I will write your product descriptions... Those are each individual gigs and it's just some silly platform lingo. There's different rankings on Fiverr. So when you start out, you're a new seller. Then there's level one, level two, top rated. And then there's an entirely separate part of the platform called Fiverr Pro, which is the top 1% of the platform that they approve to be the top 1%. So you're able to charge a lot of money. And I'm sure you'll have me dive into this in a second, but that's where my realm is now as a Fiverr Pro. But I, I started out as a new seller, level one level two top rated and they have different qualifications for how you you know move up each level and the higher level you are the more you can charge and that type of thing
1: so i'd actually like to dig into kind of your specific gigs a little bit i've heard you mention press release a few times that seems like a unique kind of thing but what makes a press release different like what makes a good press release why, why is that like a sought after thing versus any other form of writing
0: You know, I wish I had a more exciting answer, but I really think it's that just no one wants to write them because they're so boring and I'm the only one who will. So that's (laughs) half the problem. (laughs) I mean, I've been writing, I've probably written over, I'm not kidding, 5,000 press releases in my life at this point. So I like to think I know what I'm doing. There's little things like get it, you know, a, a good press release, in my opinion, gets across a lot of information in a short amount of words. So I like to think that over the years I've gotten pretty good at that. A good press release has some SEO optimization to it. So I've taken some keywords and kind of put them in the writing strategically to help with the search ranking. A good press release has a catchy title that's not too salesy because if it's too salesy, then the syndication sites won't run it. So it's it's all these little technical, non-exciting things that no one else wants to know (laughs) that I've made it my business to know. And it's not, it's not sexy at all, but it's lucrative because it's tedious. So. And, I'll, and I'm here. I'm, I'm not above it. I will write one for you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> awesome. So we really liked being tactical on this show and having listeners understand, like, if they were to go out and do this exact thing, what can they expect? So I know when you first started, you were saying you were making 40 bucks a month. That's probably really, really low. If someone were to actually go like full force into Fiverr, could you talk about a little bit about your progression from like what you were first making? Like You can either use daily, weekly, monthly figures, and then that first year, what it looked like.
0: So the first year I was on it, I was not on it seriously and I had just one gig open and I was not chasing down people. I wasn't doing anything. So with lit- like zero effort put in, I was making about $40 a month <laughs> and that was in $5 increment. So that was to say I had about eight orders a month is what I was doing. And that was when I wasn't taking it seriously though. That was just with one gig. When I was forced to start taking it seriously, I think I had four gigs open because you do want to be careful not to overwhelm yourself. And I definitely had to completely restructure my mind and learn how to be my own boss and all of these things. So I could not handle the volume I can handle today now that I'm like more disciplined with it. But when I kinda of had to start making things happen on it, it took me about I'd say a month and a half to start making a hundred dollars a day, which is pretty great. Like I went up to about 3K a month I was making, which was enough to cover living in New York City, just barely. So that had me really, really excited. I was able to, on those same prices, push it to about 4, 4.5K four a, a month of uh, charging 5 to $15 for things. Mind you, I was working like 12 hours a day. <laughs> when I finally decided to raise my prices ever so slightly two years later, I think then I st- I was hovering around 5, 6, 7K, which was still, to me, great. I mean, that's still, like, all anyone needs, really, to do their life today. So I was happy as can be. I had no idea that Fiverr Pro was on the horizon. I was, I was very happy making my 7K a month. I w- was not complaining. And that took about two years for me to hit that point. However, not to say I couldn't have hit it sooner. I just didn't raise my prices. So, you know, after about two, two and a half years on there, I was definitely coasting pretty nicely. And then, of course, the big money came with Fiverr Pro, which I I had no idea was coming.
2: (laughs) Before we dive into Fiverr Pro, I know you are like super hardcore about this. You are like unleash the inner entrepreneur when you kind of quit your job. For someone who's maybe quote unquote more normal, is 3K a month within two months of being on the platform like absolutely ridiculous? What can like a normal person on there for 20 hours a week expect to make?
0: Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> fair. Because I'm definitely, a, am kind of a scary person in, <laughs> when it comes to working. So. <laughs> um, so I've coached a few people on there in the last year or two. And people write to me all the time. And I, gent- like, I want to help them. My one friend who just actually quit her job to be full time on Fiverr. I believe it took her about a year to hit a point where she was self-sufficient, which could be 2K. She does not live in New York City. So it took her about a year to hit that money. Now, you know, for me, it kind of did, too, because I have an interesting part of my story is while I was editing for people for a year, I was amassing reviews. And reviews are everything on a lot of platforms today, including Fiverr. So by the time I decided to be serious about it, I did have about fifty five star reviews hanging on my profile, which makes all the difference in the world. The hardest part about getting started today is getting those first few people to take a chance on booking you because really they're going to want to go book the person that has 1,000 five-star reviews. So. I would definitely say it's probably harder today than it was back when I was on it, but I have seen people rise up through the ranks. So, you know, I do tell people at least a year and it's definitely not what some people want to hear, but the money I make now, I've been with them almost five years. Like I definitely put in my time for sure. Like it was years in the making. It was not instant six figures the day I opened my laptop, which I don't think anything is if, and if it is, please tell me about it. So.
1: <laughs> Seriously. <Yeah. laughs> So it's funny that you brought up reviews because that's actually the question I've been kind of waiting to ask was when people start this out, I have to imagine that reviews, like you said, are everything. So do you have any advice for people if somebody comes in and and leaves them that three-star review or something and it it doesn't seem fair to them, they feel like they did a good job and they genuinely want to make it right?
0: Yeah, I know. That's the hardest part about Fiverr because in the beginning, you really cannot afford to get anything less than a five-star review. There's just so many people on there with perfect five-star averages that if you get hit with a three or one star review in the beginning, I'd say just make a new account. Like it's not worth trying to overcome it. it. that's just to me though, like I guess so like my tips for overcoming getting the three star review is just busting your ass. Like even if the buyer is being ridiculous, it's giving them what they want and just keeping your head down because in the end, like that review is what you're after. So when I, whenever I open a new gig, and I have the first like a hundred orders on that gig. I go above and beyond for those people because you just can't afford to get that that three star review. and and if you you know if you listen to what they want generally, ninety eight percent of people are not gonna hit you with the one star review. But if they say, I want a press release, you write the press release and they say, "I don't like the press release, rewrite it. Is that fair? No? but just rewrite it because those reviews are what you can like essentially take to the bank. So, and if you do get hit with ones, there are some crazy people. I would say just make a new account. Like don't even, don't try and overcome that in the beginning.
2: Okay. So now let's get to the good part that I've been kind of holding off. And this is Fiverr Pro. <laughs> One morning you just wake up and the Fiverr gods are raining gold on you. Could you talk about that day and like what that meant for you in terms of your personal finances?
0: So Fiber Pro was funny because it kind of fit into this whole story of like what is falling from the sky on my lap, which has kind of been this whole thing. They didn't tell me what Fiber Pro was. They messaged me and said, hey, we want you to come do some filming for us at some like undisclosed location in Brooklyn. I was like, "Okay, sounds fun. They didn't tell me for what. They didn't tell me for anything. So I show up there like in my whatever, like hipster outfit, like ready to do my thing. And they're like, okay, you know, do you like, do you know what this is about? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no one, like no one has told me yet. why am I here? They're like, okay, so this is for the rollout of Fiverr Pro. And I'm like, okay, like, what's that? And they're saying, well, in an effort to move away from like the $5 branding, we are launching a kind of cream of the crop top 1% group on Fiverr. That's going to charge way, way, way more. And I was like, nice. And they're like, and you're going to be one of them. I was like, what, <laughs> what? <laughs> And then I had to like take that and all of a sudden film, you know, and it was kind of funny. I had to like, I wanted to like call my mom and everything, but I had to just like keep a straight face and like my head was going nuts, but I had to be calm, cool and collected on TV. And afterwards that afternoon was pondering like what that meant for me. And I kind of wrote to them and I was like, so how much more am I going to (laughs) charge? And they're like, we want all like fiber pro to start at at least a hundred dollars per, per project. I was just like, Anyone listening, like my jaw was dropped. I was, I couldn't even comprehend it. Honestly, my brain could not comprehend it. Going from charging $15 to $25 for something to $100 truly took my brain a year to understand because it was such a crazy pivot from what I had known financially, like everything. And I could not believe it. That's all I could say.
1: <laughs> and was there anything like, scary about the announcement or that seemed off-putting like where Fiverr's like, okay, we got this cool thing, Fiverr Pro, and you just got to give us 10 grand for a pro license and then you're in. Was there anything like that or was it all above board?
0: No, no, it's all good. It's always been all good with them. It's like a mutual thing kind of because my, you know, what I do helps them and they help me and like it's, there was no catch at all. So I, I don't know. There's, I mean, honestly, there's still days I don't believe what I make right now, because I'm just doing what I've always been doing. I just charge more now way more, you know, I just still there's just days I don't it's unbelievable to me. I know it sounds like I'm making $10 million a year. I'm not. But I'm, you know, (laughs) it's still amazing to me.
2: Even just back of the envelope math for our listeners here, you were making like you said six or seven K a month, and you basically quadrupled all your prices or even more on some. So now you're making like 28k a month. Is that a fair assumption the month after you got accepted into Fiverr Pro? We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis in my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth. One dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience, and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash fyshow, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash fyshow to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash fyshow. Now back to the show.
0: Yeah, so they actually rolled it out kind of slowly. So I found out April 2017, I open, I think they only had me open two gigs at first. So I actually did not have a drastic change in my income. It was actually pretty incremental until about 2018 like january 2018 was when it was officially like full force ahead you know i guess you would say it was in its like beta version or whatever by january 2018 that was when the money got nuts like that was when it went from i think i was hovering around 10 10 11k at that point and then all of a sudden it was like 20k 25k each month and that's when i was like what the f <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: And was there a point in there where you're like, oh my God, the money's starting to pile up. I got to figure out something to do with it. Like kind of giving it more of that more financial angle about like, I can't just put all this into a savings account. I got to do something with this.
0: Yeah, you know, (laughs) I'm not a stupid person by any means, but when it comes to management of the finer details in my life, I'm lacking. So I just kind of started like, you guys are going to die. I can't believe I'm sharing this. I literally (laughs) just had it in two checking accounts. Like I didn't even have a savings account.
1: that's how bad it
0: was. And by June, 2018, when I kind of was like, okay, whoa, I have six figures sitting in my bank account right now. That's when my mom was like, yeah, you need to do something about that. Okay. (laughs) Because that's giving me some, some anxiety. (laughs) And then I had the CNBC article come out at the end of June, which like totally changed my life and in, in social ways. So it's like my life had transformed financially and now socially because cat was out of the bag. Everyone knew what I was making at that point, which was a weird time in my life because some people who I thought were supportive of me suddenly were not, which was kind of hard. So, you know, like with making a lot of money, like so much responsibility comes with it. It's kind of nuts, like. There's the financial responsibility to invest it correctly, to be doing everything you're supposed to be doing with it, to, you know, all the jokes now of like, oh, I don't need to buy you a drink, you can buy yourself a drink, to the bad dates where the guy knows I make more money than him. Like, it's just... It changed my life in a lot of ways, like good and bad. So yeah, but I have it was sitting in two checking accounts. I'm not gonna lie. Since then I have fixed that, but I'm I'm still looking for a financial advisor because I have no investment, anything happening and it's embarrassing. So me
1: and Cody can hook you up. It's no worry. That's what I said. Just tune into the podcast. I
0: know. I'm I see I'm sure I'm picky about it because I'm like maybe it's because I work on Fiverr all day and I encounter some really wacky people, but I am very generally distrusting at first with things so i'm kind of just waiting to find the right situation with it
1: so you're at a point now where you know you're making whatever it is upwards of 20 25k a month and you'd also mentioned though previously that your family was kind of that entrepreneurial spirit did you ever have a point where you tried to get them on board did your mom dad did you ever say like hey look at all this money i'm making y'all come join me
0: Oh, definitely. I'm like a hardcore fiber recruiter. I can't help it. It's just like my personality type. I'm always that person that's like, well, you you could be doing this. How come you haven't tried this? Why don't you open this? Like, I'm kind of annoying like that. So yeah, my mom actually tried to get on there, but there is a little bit of an ageism thing happening. Her stuff didn't really go anywhere just because, you know, my mom isn't a typical 57 year old, but just still the image of her being 57 it didn't really fly on there my cousin was on there for a little bit writing. She had some success. She just ended up getting another job. So she got off of there and it's my sister's worst nightmare to ever work through a laptop. (laughs) So my sister can't sit still. She's a personal trainer and boxing coach. So sitting all day is her worst nightmare. So she was like, never, I will never get on there, Alex. I'm sorry. But no, it's just me. It's just me right now.
2: All right. So Alex, you're making over $300,000 a year, but what type of lifestyle does that allow you to live? Are you literally like sitting in a dungeon for 16 hours a day on your laptop? Could you talk a little bit about like what the work-life balance is, especially when you're your own boss?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a good question. This is where the good and the bad of this come into the picture. And I always really try and be transparent about this to people because it's not as glamorous as you might think it is. I literally have back problems because I sit so much, which grosses me out. I'm, I like to be an active person. I played sports my whole life. I don't like to sit all day. So I do have a standing desk and that type of thing. But one major drawback of this lifestyle is the sitting. That's definitely something I don't love that I have to do, but there's kind of no other way to do it because I have to write all day. There's nothing I can do about it. So I stand when I can, but it has taken a toll on my health in that way. I definitely have the start of carpal tunnel in my wrists. That's just also inevitable. So, you know, there's there's those things that are going to come with it. As far as a work-life balance goes, Yeah. I mean, I have to log in every single day and the more money you make, the more accountable you are to whatever's making you that money. So I don't ever have a day off essentially. Now that's not to say on the weekends. I can somewhat control my gigs and when things are due. So I do try and clear my weekends, but I still have to check in. I can't just not check in for three days. If someone's flipping out about an order and I don't answer them for three days, like that's not tolerated on Fiverr. So You sacrifice a little bit of your personal whatever to be doing something like this. But then, okay, a positive is I can sit wherever I want. I might have to sit, but I can sit wherever I want. So I spend the majority of my time working in my apartment because I do need quiet to write. I don't love being in cafes when someone's, like, screaming on their phone and I'm trying to write something. But what's awesome about it is, for example, in October, the first five days I'm going to be in, like, passage just because – And then I'll be in Albany for the fall foliage and then I'll be back down here and then I'm going to New Orleans for Halloween. So obviously I don't live a terrible life, but while I am traveling, I am, I am working. So I know if people think I'm just on vacation, no, you never can unplug. That's it's like the trade-off of you can sit next to the palm trees, but you still need to check your phone next to the palm trees. That's kind of like how I describe it to people.
1: And have you ever considered like a way to kind of I guess, multiply yourself in a way where, so now that you're at this pro tier and you can charge this high amount, is there any way that you could then take and say, okay, I wanna pass this work on to someone else. They're gonna get paid a third of that. I'm gonna do a final revision because my name is on the line and then I'm going to submit it. That way you could actually expand your business.
0: Yeah, so Fiverr's out a funny situation with that right now because previously they do not prefer you do that because then that's when you can't control the quality of work anymore and they don't like that. And they monitor me very closely as a Fiverr pro on there. They w- watch what I'm writing to people and stuff. Cause they, you know, if I start telling people to go F themselves, that's not great for them. So I have suggested, and they are actually considering something like a Fiverr team where I would love to manage people under me and not write every single thing. Like I, at this point can definitely edit and vet everyone's content and make sure st- I'm turning around a great product, but I'd I'd love to not be the one grinding every single day. So I actually told them about that and they kind of like the idea. So uh, cross your fingers for me that they open up to that. They've opened up a lot of things on that platform this year. So I would not be surprised. Like they have Fiverr Learn now. They have online courses. They have curated stores. Like I have my own store at Link. I can send people if they want like my recommendations for other providers on there. They're really opening a ton of stuff on there. So I can't scale it right now, but say a prayer for me in the future I, that I can, because <laughs> that is one frustrating thing about this and most other businesses, you your business grows, but I'm, it's just me and I'd love for it to not just be me.
2: So I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. I know you probably can't, we're not bad melting Fiverr in any way, shape or form, but have you ever thought about taking this off platform and then hiring people under you and have it being like Alex Fasulo's writing gang and
0: farming out that work? Honestly, and I'm not even saying this because like I have to be kind because I work on their platform. I could not possibly feel the amount of people who write to me every day like they do. I talk to anywhere between 25 to 50 people every day looking for me to write for them. Like I can't handle the volume sometimes. And if I was on my own, it would just not, uh, unless I had the best SEO in the entire world and my writing website came up number one on Google, which is just highly unlikely, I could never possibly get that volume on my own. So that's why I think people think it's rare when they hear a copywriter is making this much money because a copywriter on their own, I don't think, could make this much money. I mean, unless they're writing books for whoever. So, you know, that's why I don't dream about taking people off of there. No. <laughs> I also am a classic, now I like have accepted it, entrepreneur where at some point I want to just do something totally different. Like, I won't do this forever. I wanna write books, possibly run for office. I'm not, we're not gonna I'm not gonna explore that any further. Um, there's so many things I wanna do. I and I work on my family business right now, campfire trailers with my mom. We do that together. I've discovered I love photography. Like I'm I'm tortured by all these things I want to do. So the copywriting's great for right now, but I don't see myself as a copywriter when I'm 50 either. But I don't know. I mean it's hard while I'm making this money, I'm not gonna walk away from it. So
1: So kind of continue with that conversation of staying on the platform just to give the listeners a little more of that kind of tactile behind the scenes. Obviously, you're making a lot of money, which makes me believe that Fiverr's also making a lot of money. So what is the kind of pay distribution?
0: So they take 20%, which some people would say is kind of nuts. And at first, like when I was naive and young, I was like, they're taking my money. This is my money. (laughs) But I've come to see the value of it. I mean, they act as the liaison if I have a situation with someone that I'm protected. They, you know, they ensure I get paid. Like, it, it, there's always that awkward, does someone pay you before you write for them? Or do they pay you after you write for them? Do they steal your writing? Like, that type of stuff that goes on. Again, the 50 people, they field me a day. It's just the perks that come from it, I think, are worth it. Because they're, they're essentially my PR department for me. Or my marketing outreach department. Which is if you think about it, you'd probably spend 20% of your business income on that. So I don't find it bothersome anymore. When I was younger, though, I, I wasn't as wise. I say that now I'm 26 versus 22. I'm like, well, four years older, but I'm still four years is a lot of years in the world of the Wild West business gig economy, wherever we are right now.
2: <laughs> so back to work life balance for a sec. I'm actually just kind of curious. You said you can't turn off. It's kind of like you sit next to the palm tree, but you have to check the phone Is there a reason why you can't just like not accept gigs for an entire week and just kind of chill out?
0: So I have a lot of pressure on me as a Fiverr pro because I'm essentially representing like the very best that they have to offer people. If you're not Fiverr pro, you can pause your, you can do whatever you want. You can pause your gigs. You have a vacation switch you can switch on. You can do whatever you want. My problem is I'm closely monitored and I have high profile clients that expect me to be available to them in some capacity. I'm also just one of those people I kind of FOMO when it comes to things like I'm very competitive. So I don't really want to go dark for two weeks because then I'm convinced like the other people who are right up there with me will pass me by. (laughs) I have that like sickness in the back of my head that I honestly should work on. So that's kind of also my fault too. Yeah. That I'm like, if I don't sign on for seven days or if I pause all my gigs for seven days, that's. 40 more clients that's going to go to x y and z and they're they're going to pass me by or that type of mentality so yeah i kind of destroy myself too it's it's partially my fault
1: so you kind of mentioned in there like now you're having some of these high profile clients and in some of the articles i read some seemingly strange type of uh requests that you've had can you just talk about some of those kind of obviously you can't talk about exactly who they are but those type of high profile requests that you've gotten
0: Sure. So, well, I got in massive trouble with one company, although I never signed anything. So I think I can say their name. But do you know Seven Jeans? You heard of them? Yeah. Yeah. I did a press release for them and I mentioned it in one of my newspaper articles and they got pissed, I think, because the girl who outsourced the work to me was supposed to be doing it herself. I'm not sure. They didn't come after me. Just this chick did. But that was pretty cool. Like Seven Jeans comes off the top of my head. I have my classic ones. I always tell people I was helping someone in the royal family edit their text messages. I don't know which member of the royal family it was, but it was one of them. I had someone who is involved with the building of the wall at the south of our country (laughs) um, have me edit one of the government documents for that. I've had... God, I've had people who make spells and cast love potions help me write you know have me do stuff for them I've had porn websites ask me if I'll do stuff sex style websites I mean you name it and I've had the request for it honestly so (laughs) I actually have to say no sometimes because people straight up ask me if I'll write a sex novel for them and I'm like really like no (laughs) okay I was like but honestly good for you for trying like that's (laughs) fine I guess
1: I was just about to ask, since you mentioned kind of that monitored status that you're in, if you hit something that you just are morally opposed to, do they mind you telling them no?
0: No, I don't think so. I have been morally opposed to some things just because I as a I'm a spiritual person, so there's some things I don't like that happen in our world today. And again, I'll just leave it there. And I politely say that to these people and I say, listen, I, you know, I just don't feel comfortable doing this for you. And they've never yelled at me for that. I'm pretty open. Like I I'll do political stuff for both sides. I don't ever say what I think, like I'm pretty open to stuff. Like i won't write sexual content, but I will edit it for people. Like I'm not, I don't see, you know, I'm not, I don't sit here and say no to most things. It's like very select things that I'm like, yeah, no, that's a no.
2: All right, Alex. So obviously the copywriting thing is going great for you right now. But you did mention that in the future, I know the arbitrary number you threw out was 50. You're not going to be doing this anymore. But what's like the next five or 10 years look like? Do you see yourself still doing this? Are you going to start some other businesses? I know if you do have that amount of money coming in, you could probably invest in some things that will spit out a relatively decent amount of passive income that you could potentially live off of without doing squat. So I just love if you could kind of give us your five or 10 year vision of what you're going to be doing.
0: Okay. Yes. That's a really good question. So I am exploring all types of things like that right now for sure. Cause I'm trying to make my future easier on me. So I would say I technically invest in this company. My mom and I run where we're flipping horse trailers into mobile bars. And this past year it was pretty good. I've been buying the trailers cause I'm trying to invest in this things. I think it's going to go somewhere. So that would be amazing. So I have that going on that I would love to be doing the next five, 10, 15 years. And if that ever took off, like I still want to be a CEO at some point. Like I would be so happy about that. That would be what I want to be doing in 10 years, but I'm also doing other things. You know, I've never sit still. So I'm starting an ebook store. I have four ebooks up now getting some passive income going. I have four different books. I want to write in the next 10 years and I'm not going to keep putting that off. So that would be awesome if that generated some income. I am making an app right now that I think will be huge and I'm going to be really annoying and not tell you what it is yet (laughs) because I'm scared. Someone will steal it. And because I really think it could be huge. So I'm meeting with the guys building that with me in a week. Does that cover all the weird things I'm doing right now? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So five years from now, will I still be on Fiverr? Possibly. 10 years from now, what will I still be on Fiverr? You know, If they create some type of Fiverr team scenario, possibly, yeah, because that would be great. Can I work at the pace that I'm working at now on there for the rest of my life? No. (laughs) (laughs) So in the meantime, I'm trying to stack up a bookstore, get a a family business going, and try my hand at launching an app because, I don't know, I've never done that before, so naturally I have to try and see what happens.
1: Well, that's a that's a heck of a, you know, laundry list of things you're trying to get into over the next five, ten, fifteen years. And you've also covered a lot that you've already done. But if people want to keep up with this story, see how it progresses, where's the best place for them to do that?
0: So the number one place that I share everything that's happening in my life is Instagram. I love Instagram. It's I think it's because I work alone all day. It's my like connector thing I do all day. So Instagram is 100% where you can see everything I'm up to. I offer freelancing tips, I share information on traveling, working from home, working on the move, all, everything you can find on my Instagram. And I also have a website where I sell my most popular ebook, which is How to Earn Six Figures on Fiverr, and I kind of I go through everything you could ever need to know about getting started on Fiverr. It's definitely the most like invaluable thing I could give to anyone. <laughs> It has pictures. It has everything you could ever want. If you're getting started on fiber and you don't want to wait two years to figure it out on your own, like this ebook will definitely help you. And on my website, I try and keep track of the different podcasts and the press that I've been in. So that's just alexfasulo.com, And then my Instagram handles, my full name, Alexandra Fasulo. I looked for Alex Fasulo and some guy in Italy stole it and I ask him every month if I can have it and he doesn't answer me.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Well, we will not burden people with having to try to spell that. So we will link that up in the show notes for them. No, it's all good.
0: It's a weird weird name.
2: (laughs) It's all right. Anyone who goes to the show notes will be able to click and go to your Instagram and or your website. But Alex, one thing we like to ask all of our guests is I know you're not super big into the financial independence world, you're more like in the entrepreneur world. What is your number one tip for someone who's aiming for that shiny goal of financial independence at some point?
0: I would say it's time management mastery. And to break it down even further, I would say it's never procrastinating. Because if you want to be independent, if you want to be making three, four, five K a month. You know, I'm a decent writer. I would not call myself Shakespeare though. I don't think I am a prodigy at it. I just am someone who has managed to master my time. And that could be a whole other hour I could go on and on and on. But basically, if you're working for yourself, if you want to work alone, you can no longer procrastinate. There is no more time for it. And once you kind of learn to stop procrastinating, I think financial independence is right around the corner.
1: Awesome. And now it's time for the the final question, the wild card question. And so this one I'm not ready for, Cody's not ready for, there's no Fiverr gig out there that you can go ask for help with this one. So are you ready, Alex?
2: Oh, God.
0: (laughs) Yes.
1: So you've been super transparent so far. So I'm just going to ask for one more of those. What's kind of the craziest scenario you've ever found yourself in where you're trying to meet a deadline, but you're also trying to live it up in real life?
0: Okay, so I would say a few weekends ago, I was in the Hamptons. And I had to get back to write on Fiverr. And of course, some guy just asked me and my sister if we want to go on his yacht. And I was just like, are you kidding me? And I, I had to say no, because I had to go back and meet my deadline. And that was, I was like, I am just too responsible. So I had to say no to a yacht for Fiverr. And I would say the other funny thing in my life is, I mean, if I could name you all of the rogue Starbucks that I've had to drive to in, like, the middle of the desert of our country, you would just crack up how many McDonald's I've had to sit in. I been at one time at McDonald's, they, like, made me buy a hash brown before I opened my laptop. I was, like, somewhere in Sedona. It, <laughs> you know, I, I, the amount of, like, McDonald's and Starbucks I've sat in around the world working is probably hilarious if you could just see the pictures, like so funny
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you've never been in the bathroom in a club like on an ipad trying to finish one last article
0: you know what no but chances are because you can do five or three or phone there are a lot of times i'll be like at dinner or whatever i think people think i'm just like texting and i'm like delivering an order <laughs> through my phone <laughs> yeah that goes on frequently i don't think anyone has any idea it's happening i'm just like uh-huh yeah okay one second okay <laughs> yeah great great sounds good <laughs>
2: the life of an entrepreneur Yes. Oh, yeah. All right. So Alex, it's been great having you on the show today. Honestly, it's a very unique perspective. We have no one who's really done anything on Fiverr before or made that much money copywriting. And I mean, you're just a full blown entrepreneur. You are all over the map. Clearly, you have your hands in like six different businesses at once. I know you are super busy. So I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast today and sharing your time.
0: Yeah, thank you guys for having me.
2: Man, Justin, this story is just super inspiring. I've known Alex for a little bit now. She actually contributed to the freelancing course that I launched with Jay. And after I heard, like, I was like, wait, you made what last year on Fiverr? $350,000 doing freelance writing? Literally unheard of. I've never heard of anybody making that caliber of money doing freelance writing. What do you think about the episode, man?
1: Yeah, man, I love this episode. I mean, mostly because of the way that she dealt with that change that came in her life where where she graduates from college with a political science degree and then realizes, you know what, like, this is not working for me. I got to figure out another way. And so she starts putting that effort into online and she's not making a killing at first, right? She's making, you know, like $30,000 a year and living in New York City. So it's not like she has a ton of excess money to really keep her motivated, but she sticks with it.
2: I think the important thing to note here, a lot of people really want that get-rich-quick solution. They want to just put a little bit of effort in and then have monumental returns. Alex was grinding away, like you said, for two or three years before she started making like the insane money that she made once Fiverr Pro picked her up. And I just think that's a perfect example of how hard work pays off. If you just keep day after day trying to get better, trying to literally tweak yourself 1%, things eventually, they might not fall into your lap as well as they did for Alex. But things just start to happen. It's all about that taking action. I'm such a huge proponent of that. And I really think it's those people who literally try to just get 1% better or do one little thing more every single day that get ahead in the end.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, on the show, we're always trying to be, you know, very open, honest, giving you those tangible tips. And sure, a little bit of this was luck where she got started before there was a ton of competition. So she racked up those really good ratings early on and got into Fiber Pro. But that's just another example of why when you get an opportunity to try something new and to start trying your hand at something new, to not wait two, three, five years. Because if you do, then all of a sudden that opportunity may be a lot harder to bust into. So as soon as you see something, just go after it. Now, that doesn't mean there's not still money to be made. I mean, she talks about getting some of her friends and family to a point to where they could actually quit working. And she's even written a book about it. So there's still money to be made out there. But I just wanted to come out and say, like, yes, we understand. We're not just trying to beat around the bush that that she did get started early. But that's just another bit of motivation for you to start whatever it is you're looking into and start it now.
2: And something I love to do is to analyze successful people. I'm like, why is this person successful? What are they doing different than I am? And one thing that Alex really stressed was time management. And it seems like she is just a master at not procrastinating. I know she said that. For the number one tip for people on their path to financial independence, is kind of like that just do it mentality. Don't procrastinate. If you have something you want to do, just try it. Even if you suck at it, like the first time, you're going to be better the second time. You're going to be even better the third time and so on. You're just going to keep getting better and better and better. So I just thought that was an awesome tip that Alex had. And clearly she is a master at time management because on Fiverr, she'll have 48 hours to complete a gig. And after that, it's late. And considering she has over 1,000 thousand star reviews, that's probably not something that she's doing. She's not sending out late requests. And another thing is, she's still living life. I follow her on Instagram, and she just is constantly traveling. I'm pretty sure she went to Japan for like two months. She's always away on the weekends, so she kind of front loads her work during the week. And so she's still living this incredible life. Even though she's obviously working super hard, it's all about just mastering that time management.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, even beyond traveling, she talked about some of the other things that she's trying to do beyond making six figures on Fiverr. You know, she's working with her family to start this thing where they take horse trailers and turn them into bars. I mean, she's she's publishing ebooks, starting this secret app that she wouldn't tell us <laughs> about quite yet, but it's obviously going to blow up. I mean, people like this who are successful... It's not happenstance. Even if they do eventually hit uh, some lucky spots, it's because they just work so hard. They're so smart about it. They do that time management, and there's just so much effort there.
2: And one last thing I kind of took away from the episode, myself being an entrepreneur who likes building businesses, a lot of times in the FI space and just the investing space in general, we talk about like compound interest and compound returns. If you put your money in the stock market, as we all know, over time, generally, it's going to go up. It's going to compound. But this same thing happens if you're building your own business. If you start to get better and gain clients and gain skills, like Alex did, you'll start with a baseline. She was making like $30,000 a year. But unless you're doing something wrong or the market just drastically changes, usually your income is going nowhere but up. So Alex has been able to basically compound her income, which is another way that you can accelerate your path to FI. Obviously, compound interest is awesome and it's passive, which is super great. But if you're of a business mind and you're an entrepreneur and you want to start something on the side on your own or even in your career, if you start building skills in your career, you're bound to get a promotion or bound to get a raise if you're so invaluable that they can't let you go. So do not forget about the power of compounding income. I think that's just a super important lesson that Alex taught us.
1: I mean, I'll tell you something else. Whoa. What was that, Justin? That's said call to action, Cody. And this week's call to action is pretty straightforward. You might have guessed it. It's just go out to Fiverr, get out there, like scroll through some of the jobs or what they call gigs, look for some inspiration and start selling your own.
2: And shameless plug, since Alex is one of the paid experts in the freelancing course that I manage, we do have modules on Fiverr and how to get started there. So I just wanted to mention that quickly. That's at goldcityventures.com. And Alex's story is just so amazing like Justin said. She has her hands in so many different baskets. She is a full-blown entrepreneur. And if you want to follow along with her story, get some more information about Alex, you can do that at the slash alex And then if you want to join one of the most inclusive, awesome, engaging communities on Facebook you can join our group at thefiveshowcom slash community. And as always, we thank you and appreciate you so much for leaving those five-star ratings and reviews when you're enjoying our content. It really helps us get great guests and reach a broader audience. Thanks for listening.
1: See you on next week's episode of The Five Show.